The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. A mystery, possibly a meaningless mystery, but a mystery nonetheless, pops up on YouTube. Are gray aliens as fragile as they look? And then we travel to Africa to look at the story of the Leopard Society. They started off fighting the slave trade, but in the end, did they turn on their own people? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. And I'm doing little finger guns at you. Like, like I'm cool and I'm pointing at you. It's not cool if we have to explain it. First off, let's give a shout out to our newest supporter on Patreon, Andrew Light. Andrew, thank you so much for supporting the show. You are going to be our pilot, our rowboat captain, whatever vehicle we use today. If you can't support the Patreon, that's fine too. Just help get the word out about the show. Really, really helps out a lot. So, Andrew, we're going to take the Dead Rabbit Dirigible up for this first story. This story can almost be summed up in two or three sentences. Very, very interesting one. I don't really know if I'd use the word interesting. That's why I don't want to spend a long time on it, but it's definitely perplexing. On the Unresolved Mysteries subreddit, a user named Ganesha811 pointed this out. Pixar's YouTube channel has their YouTube videos listed in most popular, most viewed. Number two is the Incredibles 2 official trailer. It came out two years ago. 136 million views. That's fine, right? I'm actually surprised it's not bigger. Their official trailer, I honestly thought more people would watch it, but... What makes that even more puzzling is the number one most viewed video out of all Pixar's YouTube videos is Up. the trailer. But it's not even the trailer for the movie Up, the animated movie Up. It's the trailer showing that the DVD and Blu-ray is going to go on sale soon. It's a minute long. Each character of the movie floats by on balloons. There's almost no talking. The only person who says anything is the dog. It's just like the old man floats by, the kid floats by, the bird floats by, the dog floats by. Then it says... It's almost completely silent for a minute long. And then it says available on Blu-ray and DVD soon. Almost half a billion views. 477 million views. It's more than double the amount of The Incredibles official trailer. That's bizarre. And no one can really figure that out. But that's not even the tip of the mystery. It also has a very, very small like-to-dislike ratio. Normally, you have a ton of likes and a little bit of dislikes. There's usually a pretty vast difference. This one, 1.2 million likes... 766,000 dislikes. This is odd. It's an odd detail, and it's funny because that's the mystery. That's it. It's something that could be some sort of glitch. If you go to the subreddit, there's a lot of different theories. Some people say it was added to a popular play, a children's playlist in Asia, and it was in constant rotation. Some people said it may have been played in electronic stores across the country where you have it just on repeat. But nobody knows. Other people say that it has some sort of hidden Illuminati message, that it's an MK Ultra mind control thing. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm at a loss. I think it's, I mean, that's really the whole mystery. There's not much to it that we know. But I think it's always interesting to stumble across this type of puzzle. Is there an answer to it? it was it a computer glitch? Was it on repeat somewhere? Who knows? A very simple mystery, but a mystery nonetheless. 
Andrew, let's go ahead and leave behind that very short mystery. We are headed out now to Riverview, Kentucky. So let's... The little kid's flown by on balloons. He's like, no, no, help me. This is eternal torment. And we're just, what? Well, I can't hear you. We can totally hear him. We're floating away. He's stuck in that loop. For every time that video plays, he reenacts the event. We're flying away, though, from human misery. We're headed out to Riverview, Kentucky. This is another fairly short one. This is a story I got from thinkaboutitdocs.com. It's very short, but it might be one of my favorite UFO alien stories. You'll figure out why in a second. It's winter 1985. It's 3 a.m. This is another story I got from the thinkaboutitdocs.com website, which has a lot of UFO stuff. A lot of really interesting stuff. It's dark now. It's spooky. It's 3 a.m. in the morning. There's a dude. He's laying in bed. Uh, uh. <laughs> I don't know why he's making those noises. Maybe he just ate Taco Bell. He's all, uh. That would actually explain the upcoming vision. He's sleeping in bed. And he hears a low humming sound. And it's just annoying enough to wake him up. And as his eyes are opening up, there's a bright light. And he begins just screaming, which I think would be a natural reaction, right? Maybe not. Like, maybe if you lived with someone and they get up out of bed and they turn on the bathroom light, you're not going to be like, ah! But if you're living alone, if you know, one, there should be no lights on in your house, and there's definitely should be no low humming, he just immediately starts screaming. It's like a natural defense mechanism. He sees three gray aliens walk into the room. He said their skin was grayish and had a tint of green to it as well. But he watches them walk into the room, and he goes into, you know, there's fight, flight, or freeze mode. This guy goes into fight mode on overdrive because he basically has woken up. He's in this deep sleep. Taco Bell, he's still trying to digest that Taco Bell. Bright light, humming sound, jumps out of bed. Like in one fluid motion, three gray aliens walk into the room. They're, you know, before this happened, they were probably like, this is a routine, uh, you know, gra- snatch and grab, right? We're going to take this dude up. We're going to stick a couple things in him, drop him off. It'll be totally fine. Why are you so nervous, Barry? And Barry the alien's like, I don't know. I just have a bad feeling about this. I mean, we are telepathic creatures. I can sense this guy's intentions, even though he's asleep. I don't think this is going to turn. Oh, come on, Barry. It'll be fine. This is your last abduction, too. After this, you're going to retire, and you can hang out with all your space babes. Yeah, yeah. I just have a bad feeling about this one. They're walking into this guy's room, and... He, in a single motion, jumps out of bed and wraps his hands around one of the aliens' neck and squeezes as hard as he can. Barry! The other aliens yell, because right when he squeezes this gray alien's neck, he said the head snapped like a twig. It just fell completely backwards. And he let go, out of shock, right? Out of shot, you don't imagine that's going to happen, right? You're going to throttle him for a bit, maybe punch him a couple times in his big old eyeballs. Then you're, like, getting held down by the other two, and then the guy's, like, picking up a bat and hitting you. You figure it can go a lot of different ways. You don't imagine that you're going to squeeze something's neck and it immediately break like a twig. But the alien's head just snaps back, like he shattered every bone in this creature's neck. The other two aliens stop advancing on this dude, on this unnamed witness. And then they grab their buddy, their now broken neck buddy, and he says they begin to walk like robots back towards the light. They disappear. Light goes away, humming stops. 
and this man is standing in his own bedroom going, USA, USA. I wouldn't be able to go back to sleep after that, right? I mean, first off, I'd be afraid the aliens would come back with the reinforcements. That alien's big brother shows up, be like, yo, what you do to my brother? Plus, I'd be too amped up to go back to sleep. You just want to fight against an extraterrestrial. It's funny because there's been so many times on the show I've said that, you know, a lot of people are afraid of gray aliens, but they actually look really physically weak. And I think that's why they use a lot of their mind tricks, a lot of their hypno... I don't know why. I don't know if they tried it on this guy and it didn't work. I don't know if they didn't even have a chance. They're like, hey, you ready to do that mind thing? Is like, what? Oh, sorry. I was thinking about doing my taxes. I was totally distracted. Ah, my neck. Like, maybe he just caught them unaware. Maybe they didn't expect him to have the moves of a jaguar or a leopard. That'll be a segue. I'm not done. I'm not ready yet, but... Maybe they didn't expect him to have the moves of a, a jungle cat and attack him. But anyway, somewhere out there, Barry the alien is sitting there with his neck in a little cast. And he's at the bar and the space babes are coming up and they're like, Hey, Barry, how how did you get that? I don't know why they sound like they're from Fargo, North Dakota. Hey, Barry, how'd you get that cast on your neck? And Barry's like, oh, do I have to tell this story again? And then Barry has to make up this story about like how he tried to abduct Conor McGregor or something like that. Not just some random dude (laughs) sitting in a Kentucky household. He's like, yeah, and then, you know, like, I was fighting off all these Secret Service agents, and I was this close to getting the president. But one of them, one of them slightly touched my neck. You know how our anatomy is. And the space babes just kind of, like, rolling her eyes. So there we go. Andrew, we are going to give this Kentucky guy a high five. That's us giving him a high five. He's looking at her necks. He's like, I've killed once. They always say the second kill is far easier. No, no, no. Let's run. Let's run. Andrew, call in that carbon copter. We're being pursued now by this crazed Kentuckian. We're taking off in the carbon copter. We are headed out. We're taking this carbon copter. We are headed out to West Africa. We're flying over Western Africa. We're also going back in time. We're going back to the 1930s. So we're flying over. There's a village in Liberia. And in this village, there is a German doctor named Dr. Werner Jung. So Werner was working in Africa to help prevent like childhood diseases, render medical aid. He was there for about 10 years. He kind of traveled around the country. And at one point in his travels, he's invited into a house. He goes into this house, and he sees a young girl dead on the ground. And he wrote this in his book. He wrote this in a book later on in his life. He wrote about his travels in Africa, but he has this passage in his book, quote, There on a mat in a house, I found the horribly mutilated body of a 15-year-old girl. The neck was torn to ribbons by... Let me pause here. (laughs) You might... This gets a little gruesome, so... We'll start this over. uh, There on a mat in a house, I found the horribly mutilated body of a 15-year-old girl. The neck was torn to ribbons by the teeth and claws of the animal. The intestines were torn out. The pelvis shattered and one thigh was missing. A part of the thigh gnawed to the bone and a piece of the shin bone lay near the body. It seemed at first glance that only a beast of prey could have treated the girl's body in this way. But closer investigation brought certain particularities to light which did not fit in with the picture. I observed, for example, that the skin at the edge of the undamaged part of the chest was torn by strangely regular gashes about an inch long. Also, the liver had been removed from the body with a clean cut no beast could make. I was struck, too, by a piece of intestine 
the ends of which appear to have been smoothly cut off. And lastly, there was the fracture of the thigh, a classic example of fracture by bending. So Werner goes, Leopard Society? The person invited him into the house, looks around, nods his head. Leopard Society. The Leopard Society is the oldest secret society in Western Africa. And like a lot of groups, it started off with good intentions. Originally, it was a group of elites, a group of elders, who saw slavers and Westerners coming in, taking over their land, selling their people off. So they formed a group built to protect their people. What they would do is they would wear the skin of a leopard. We actually still have these pieces of clothing. They're pretty badass. They're quite frightening if you, if you really look at them. There'll be uh, links in the show notes. You can see photos of this stuff. They wear a leopard mask, leopard skin clothing. They're usually armed with short spears, but they always have iron claws. Sometimes they'll throw a net on you as you're traveling late at night. They'll throw a net on you and then descend from the trees, kill you on the spot. A lot of times they hunted in packs of six to eight, and they would just watch and wait till their enemy walked by. You couldn't put up a fight against them. They would spring out of the darkness. There was a lot of government investigations into these guys, because they operated for decades. Their initial target was slave traders and Westerners coming into their country. And to add to the whole mystique of it, there was a lot of rumors of them also being cannibals. Now, they eventually did a big government investigation in 1915. They had this massive government investigation. And the government investigation concluded, we cannot prove that they practiced cannibalism. We can prove they exist. We can't prove they practiced cannibalism. A lot of people said they did. A lot of people said, no, that wasn't the case. Whatever it was, though, they would pull out human fat and use it to cover an item known as a, a borfema, a borfema, which is like a spirit bag. It was, it was basically a sacred relic to them. They each had one. And what gave them the ability, the powers of a leopard. So you have this religious icon that they carried with them that was powered by human fat. So you would go out, you would kill a couple slave traders, render their fat, coat the bag, do the magic. And that would give you the ability to continue on your crusade. But we see this happen a lot. You'll see it in America. You'll have a group of immigrants come over. Let the Italians come over. And first off, we got to protect our own. We got to protect our own from those scummy Irish and the government and all that stuff. And so you have basically a neighborhood watch program. And eventually they go, well, we need more resources to keep our operation up. So you guys should be chipping in to help. What? Yeah, you need to chip in. And then eventually the group begins to prey on the community they were originally set up to protect. There's the same thing with the Crips. The, the, the street gang, the Crips, started off as basically we're tired of getting picked on by all these other neighborhoods. We're going to form a neighborhood protection unit. But at a certain point, you need more money and resources to continue fighting the external threat. To gather those resources, you turn on the people in your community. Um, I did that episode about that street gang, the Decepticons. It was the same thing. It was a group of kids 
who wanted to stop getting beat up by other gangs, and eventually they begin preying on their own neighborhood. It happens all the time. Whenever you have these groups set up, they almost always turn on the community that they originally were protecting. So that's what happened here. You had the Leopard Society realizing their war against the West was requiring more resources, more fat. So then they begin attacking people in their own territory. They begin attacking other Africans. That's where we have this story with this young girl being found. People feared the Leopard Society so much that when investigators would... Because you had the local African government trying to figure out what was going on. You had local leaders trying to figure this out. And then you had Western, then you had Western governments trying to figure out... So you had all these investigations going on. It really came to a head in the early 1900s. But you would have entire villages deny this group existed. They could end up killing someone's kids. And the parents would go, I don't know what you're talking about. There's no Leopard Society here. Now, the leaders of the Leopard Society, or really all the members, were the elite. Because they caught a couple people. And they actually held trials. And it would be, one of them was a missionary. And they held a trial, and he was found guilty of being a member of the Leopard Society of killing people. They just exiled them. Send them to another country in Africa. And that's what would usually happen. The people who were found guilty of these crimes, even though these crimes should be capital crimes, they were just kicked out of the country they were in. I mean, that's one of the benefits of being in the elite, right? The judge that's judging you probably knows you, right? Ah, he's a stand-up guy. He, he, didn't, he, he doesn't always render human fat. Ah, I'll give him another chance. And then, of course, it's a secret society. What's to keep you from melding back into it? There was a report when I was looking into it, so I thought this was quite terrifying. This, this 18-year-old kid is walking around late at night in between towns. He feels safe. This is his country. This is his land. Maybe he had heard of the Leopard Society. I'm sure he was vaguely aware of it. This 18-year-old kid, he may or may not have ever heard of the Leopard Society, but as he's walking along at night, he sees someone in the bushes, and he doesn't even think twice about it. And then he realizes there are eight people in the bushes. And he goes, uh, this is not good. This is not good. They take him captive. They actually bring him into this separate area. They bring him into this clearing. And he said he was sitting up against the rock, and he overheard them saying, um, we got to kill this dude. We got to kill this dude. And here's this 18-year-old kid, man. He's just out for a walk. He's hearing these voices on the other side of this big boulder saying, we got to kill him. And, and what was interesting was he's hearing this conversation, and they say, well, first off, we already have a sacrifice, so why would we kill him other than to just keep him quiet? Like, we already have our sacrifice for tonight. But more importantly, I also know this kid's dad. I know this kid's dad. He's a very, very important person in his town. So if we kill this kid, we're going to get a lot of heat. A lot of people are going to come looking for us. Like, we shouldn't kill him unless we have to. So he overhears this conversation. And when they come over and talk to him, they go, okay. Because he is, his dad's an important person. He would be considered one of the elite. These guys come over. They're wearing their leopard skins. They go, here's the deal. You can join us. You can join the leopard society. You have to take this oath of silence. You have to take part in all of our rituals. Or we'll kill you on the spot. That's a very, even with everything that you know about the Leopard Society, and again, he may not have known half of what we've talked about in this short segment, but given that chance, given that chance of joining a group that you know kills people, 
or being killed right there, what do you do? And again, it's not like you could go like, sure, and then you just move out of town the next day. They're going to find you. It's an elite secret society. What would you do in that moment? Someone says, join us, or we're going to kill you on the spot, and knowing that they will. It's a really interesting question. I know for like being 18 years old, the answer I think would always be yes. I think as an older person, you could go, ah, I've lived a good life. I'd rather die now than join a murder cult. He says, yeah. I mean, almost on the spot, he goes, yeah, I'll join, I'll join. So he joins right there, and they go, okay. And they have one of those Borfemas. I don't know if they carry spares around, but they had one ready. They said, this is your mother. You have to take care of this. This is your identity. It is your creator. This is what powers us. This is what now powers you. You need to respect this like you would respect your mother. And then... This 18-year-old kid who was just a couple hours ago out on a walk is then forced to... They said they had another sacrifice. He's then forced to watch them murder a young girl. And then he says they forced him to eat the flesh of the girl. Now, it's interesting because you do have first-hand accounts like that where people are like, yeah, we did eat flesh. But the when the government, when the government paper was done and the government paper was being written for the British government, They said there's no proof. Like, we don't know how much of this stuff is anecdotal. We have that kid's story because he was on trial. That kid didn't come forward and go, oh, you won't believe the night I had. People, These people were getting arrested, but a lot of times when they were found guilty, they were just exiled to another part of Africa. They weren't being executed. You imagine if anyone else was admitting to murdering people, ritually murdering people, they'd be executed. But again, these are the elite. They say over time the Leopard Society kind of just fell to the wayside. And there were other groups. There was the Baboon Society. And that one you had a single member who would wear a monkey suit. Don't tell Hans about this. But he would wear a monkey suit. And then they would take a victim. And the monkey would smash the victim down with his bare hands. And begin eating the body. And then all the other people would stand around the baboon suit and feel like the energy was going into them. They had a crocodile society, a devil society. There was a lot of these secret groups. They didn't work together. They were all adversaries. And and I've stated that before. Like my idea of conspiracy conspiracy groups, cults, is there's hundreds of them and they're constantly fighting among each other. I don't believe there's one central Illuminati group. There might even be 15, 20 groups that use that name. But I think it's a lot of small groups fighting against each other for dominate regional domination or world domination. And that you can kind of, the reason why I like this story, one, it's a secret society. I find those fascinating. Two, it's a it's a historical look back on what could be happening today, where you have these groups of groups of elites doing whatever they want, getting away with it, really. And when they do get caught, it's kind of brushed under the rug. Basically, you can look back and see the historical precedent right you can see the precedent and i'm sure a lot of secret societies do start off with good intentions i don't think there's probably a whole lot of them who says we're going to start off doing evil i think most of them go we want to enlighten people we want to come out of the dark ages and we want people to be enlightened that's where the term illuminati comes from and then over time it just becomes corrupted with new leadership or the goals change or greed I think a lot of groups start off with really, really good intentions. And then over time, they just fall prey to basic human desires. This is, I would be shocked if the Leopard Society isn't around today. I would be shocked. They may not continue to be gutting people traveling from town to town. They might. They might. You think it would be a lot harder to hide nowadays? Actually, no. I guess if they're elites, it'd probably be fairly easy. But 
I would be shocked if they're... It's the oldest secret society in West Africa. I would be shocked if around 1920s or 30s, they're like, ah, you know what? We had a good run. It wouldn't be hard to imagine somewhere in the world right now a group of elite power brokers meeting in the middle of nowhere. It's so remote, nobody notices the stretch limos driving down the barely maintained roads or the private helicopters landing in the clearing. But here are some of the most powerful men and women in West Africa. They are the descendants of the Leopard Society, taking part in an age-old ritual. A victim is pulled out of a car, struggles, but can't get free. This ritual has been practiced countless times, and even today in 2020, it's time once again to refuel the Borfema. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. credit card bill.